Good morning, everybody. Glad that you are here. Thanks for changing your clocks and, and coming early this morning. Great to have you. And before we begin today, I just want to say a special happy birthday to a church that's in our community. Actually, Life Coast Church. I don't know if anybody's familiar with Life Coast Church, but they just recently celebrated seven years of existence in our county. And I want to encourage you, if you know any Life Coasters, go tell them happy birthday and thank them for being a part of reaching people in our community. They do a great job at what they do. And we have the privilege of being connected with them. Uh, we've partnered with them to help uh, launch Celebrate Recovery Ministry called Lifeline in our community that meets on Friday nights. And I have the privilege of hanging out with their pastors. We, we go to lunch occasionally, and they're just some great guys. So if you know any Life Coasters, just tell them, happy birthday, way to go, seven years. And uh, we're so glad that, that they're doing what they're doing. Now, today we're going to start a new series called Lost. And in this series, we're going to take a few weeks to explore the heart of God. We're going to explore things that are really important to him, things that really matter to him deeply. And for those of us who are Christ followers, those of us who say, you know what, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and, and I'm one of his followers, what we're going to explore in this series should matter as much to us as it matters to God. So we see, when God's heart is broken, our hearts should be broken. The stuff that stirs God's heart to action should stir our hearts to action as well. We should care about the same stuff that God cares about. Now, as we begin this series, we're going to start our exploration with Jesus. Always a great place to start any kind of exploration. But Jesus told his disciples, he said, when he was here on earth, he says, when you see me, you actually see God the Father. And so when we look at Jesus and see things that are important to him, we're actually getting a glimpse of God the Father's heart and the things that are very, very important to him. And this series has huge implications for us, huge implications individually and as a church. So if you would, let's just pause for a moment and pray, and then we'll dive into our service today. God, I thank you for the churches in our community, like Life Coast, and Parkview, and Palm Coast Community Church. Lord, there are a number of great churches in this area Lord, that are working hard to reach people with the good news of a relationship with Jesus Christ, that good news that can transform their today and their tomorrow and their forever. So we just pray your blessings on, on Mike and Jeff and all the people over at Life Coast, and we celebrate with them their seventh birthday. Lord, as we start this new series today, we're real interested to know the things that are important to you. Lord, if we're in a relationship with you, then we should care about the things that are very important to you. That's, that's what we do in relationships with people that that we care about here on earth. Something's real important to someone that we love. And that thing should be an important thing to us. So Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes as we walk through this series. I pray that we would see these things that we're gonna explore in a whole new way. I pray that our heart would be stirred, our heart would be broken, and we would get active in the greatest mission 
that we could ever be involved in in our lives. Speak to us today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, one of the things that I find so interesting about Jesus, since we're starting our exploration with him today, is that if you think about Jesus in the time that he spent on earth, he did not spend a whole lot of time around religious people. I find that fascinating. You would think that here we have God in the flesh coming to earth, and you would think that when he went around starting to gather Christ followers, you would think that he would go and look for the most religious people that he could possibly find. And Jesus did not do that. Jesus went around asking some very ungodly people to be his closest followers. You would think that religious people would love to be around Jesus. You know, here's the reality. This is the God they're worshiping. They've spent all of their lives worshiping this God. We have God in the flesh in their presence. You would think they would love to be around him. And yet, most often, they didn't. And you would think that people who were very ungodly would not want to be around Jesus. You would think that they would feel very uncomfortable in his presence. And yet, that wasn't the case. The most religious people often hated Jesus. And the most ungodly people, the people who were most unlike Jesus, often loved to be around him. They, they felt welcomed. They felt accepted. They felt challenged to a new way of living. And there was something about Jesus that made him so attractive to other people. I just find that so fascinating. And what was it about Jesus that made people who were nothing like him want to be around him? Well, that was a question that the religious leaders were asking about Jesus. They were very interested. The religious leaders of Jesus' day were very interested to know why do all these ungodly people want to be around Jesus? But more importantly, they wanted to know why does Jesus want to be around all these ungodly people? Now, the answer to these questions, again, is going to have huge implications for us as Christ followers. We can't hear this stuff that we're going to explore in this series and not be changed if we say we're Christ followers. If, if we care about God and that relationship, we should care about what we're going to explore in this series. So if you would, grab a Bible and turn over to Luke chapter 15 with me. Luke chapter 15, if you need a Bible, we have paperback Bibles at the back of each seating section. If you have a, a Bible app on your smartphone, go ahead and bring that up. We'll have Bible verses on the screen as well. One of the things that I strongly encourage all the time is to have a copy of the Bible close by, either on your phone, in your hand, a hard copy, something. If you want to learn what the Bible teaches, a great way to do that is to have it accessible to you where you can bookmark it or you can write a note in the margin and you can find it later. So again, I always encourage you to have a Bible close by. Now Luke chapter 15, we're going to start in verse 1 today. It says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. We'll just pause there for, for a moment. That highlights the reality that people who were very much not like Jesus liked to be around him. 
They enjoyed his, his presence. Again, there was something very attractive about Jesus. There was something that attracted people who were nothing like him to be in his presence. You know, he, he made it possible. He, ma- he made it seem like it was really possible for them to have a relationship with God the Father. And they didn't fully understand what all that meant. But again, they were intrigued. They wanted more of what Jesus had. If you think about your life, if you're a Christ follower, do people far from God like to be around you? Do they enjoy your presence? Do they feel welcomed and accepted and loved and yet maybe challenged to live to a new level in their life? Are they attracted to you or are they repelled by you, by your interaction? Is there something about you that draws them or something about you that pushes them away? Let me tell you a a moment about the tax collectors that were mentioned here in this first verse. Well, in Jesus' day, there were different classes of people. At kind of the top of the spectrum were the religious people. They were known as the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the teachers of religious law. They were kind of like the professional Christians. So maybe in our terminology, we'd say the pastors or the priests. So they were at that level. And then there was this huge gap between them and the common people, which made up the majority of the population. And then there were the sinners underneath that, and then there were the notorious sinners, and then under that there were the tax collectors, all right? Now, this was not a, um, a caste system that talked about you know, who, who made the, the most money. This was a system that tried to demonstrate who was closest to God and who was farthest away from God. The tax collectors were traitors to their own countrymen. I mean, they were considered to be a disgrace to their nation and to their God. You see, here's what a tax collector would do. They were Jews, and at that time, the Jewish nation of Israel was captive to the Romans. So a Jewish tax collector would say to the Romans, I'll collect taxes for you from my own people. And so a Roman, the Roman government would say the tax standard is here. This is what you have to turn in. A Jewish tax collector would bump it up and make a profit, become wealthy off of their own people. So they were hated by the Jews. The Jews hated the tax collectors. They could not believe that they would do that to their own nation. They hated them even more than the notorious sinners. So tax collectors kind of had a category all by themselves. If you were a notorious sinner, you could go to sleep at night with a little bit of comfort. At least I'm not a tax collector. And you could compare yourself to somebody else who you thought was worse than you were. Now in verse two, it tells us that the religious leaders did not like the fact that Jesus was spending so much time with those people at the bottom of the barrel the notorious sinners, and those tax collectors. And apparently this was a common thing for Jesus because in Matthew 9, 11, the Pharisees asked Jesus' disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Like, why does your teacher hang out with those people? Does he not know who they are? Does he not know what they've done? Does he not realize where they've been? It's interesting that he hangs out with those scummy people. Why would he do that? Now, Jesus, being God in the flesh, 
He knew what they were asking, and actually he knew what they were thinking, which is a pretty amazing thing. You know, wouldn't that be nice to go to work tomorrow and be able to know what everybody else is thinking? Be kind of a cool party trick. Be able to say, hey, know what you're thinking. There'd be a few things you'd be going, whoa, don't want to say anything about that. But in Luke chapter 15, Jesus answers their questions. Right? Jesus knows what's going on. He knows what questions they're asking. He knows what's happening in their minds. And so he decides, you know, I'm going to answer their questions with a few stories. And these stories that Jesus is about to tell are going to reveal, again, the heart of God, and they're going to challenge us as individuals. It's going to challenge us as a church. So Jesus' first story starts in verse 4. Luke 15, verse 4. So Jesus has religious leaders around. I'm sure he's got some notorious sinners and some tax collectors around. So Jesus says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go and search for that one, that one that is lost until he finds it? Now, everybody listening to Jesus' story would say, yes, that's exactly what he would do. If anybody in that day had 100 sheep and one wandered off, that person would leave the 99, they would go find the one, and they would bring it back so they have their 100. They would say, yeah, exactly, we get it. Now, today, if Jesus were telling us that story, we would go, what's the big deal? You know, like, I got 99 sheep. I still have 99. Isn't that fantastic? I'm like, can I go back to Publix and buy another one and they probably have buy one, get one free, so then I get like 101, which is like really cool. So sheep don't have much value to us today. But think for a moment about something of value that you lose. So has anybody ever lost your car keys? Like, come on, be honest. If you've lost your car keys, anybody lose them like on a regular basis? You can be honest about that too. Yes, welcome to Car Keys Losers Anonymous. So, you know, you lose your car keys, what do you do? You look for it. You freak out. Yeah, you freak out. You'll, you look for it. If you have a spare set, maybe you don't freak out as much. But if you don't have a spare set, I mean, you search everywhere for those keys. Because what's the reality? If you have your car and you don't have your keys, like, out of luck, you're not going anywhere. So when we lose something of incredible importance to us, we search for the thing that is lost instead of looking for the thing that is found. So for example, when you lose your car keys, you don't look for your car, right? I mean, none of us, you know, no one's going to go around and look, look for their car if they still have their car and they've lost their keys. You've lost your keys. You need your keys. If you've lost your car, what do you do? You don't look for your keys. Like, hey, you know, having your keys and you don't have a car, like, no good. These things go together. So if you lose something of incredible importance, we search for that thing that we have lost instead of looking for the stuff that we still have. Now, not long ago, I lost my wallet. And, you know, when I lose something, like, whether big or small, it kind of drives me nuts. And my wallet, you know, it's kind of important to me. It's got, you know, all my important information in there and bank card and stuff like that. So um, it's, it's kind of a big deal. So it's kind of a regular thing for me. Like I have it in my, you know, my pocket right here and I check and, it, oh, it's not there. Where is it? So that day I searched everywhere. 
I went back to several shops I had been to, went back to work. I looked in parking lots. I, mean, I like looked everywhere. I made several phone calls looking for this wallet. Could not find it anywhere. Late that night, I'm thinking, somebody has just got a whole new furniture set. You know, they're buying plasma TVs for their friends. Like, I need to cancel these cards. I have no idea where this thing is. So I called and went through the hassle, canceled all my cards, hung up the phone, and went, I know where it is. <laughs> and I went and looked, and sure enough, it was there, and I was so excited. I had found my lost wallet. I, I, mean, I didn't have it. I was so excited that somebody else didn't have it, but then I was kind of sad because I just canceled all my cards. It's not going to be good for another week, so I had to wait for my cards. But I was so glad that nobody else had my wallet. And nobody else was, was having a lot of fun with my wallet. I had lost that thing. And then I had found that thing that was very important to me. Now, no one's probably going to want to answer this next question, but has anyone ever lost a kid? I'm looking. Like, yeah, I see why a two. All right. Hell, it was like a wave, like one person and then another and then another. Or a kid that you're responsible for. Like, that's not a good feeling if you lose a kid, you know, if it's yours or someone else's. Probably worse if it's someone else's. I'm not sure. But about 14 years ago, my wife and I were living in Virginia, and we had two, our two kids at the time. So Sydney and Maddie, they were, they were little at the time, and we lost one of our kids in our house. This is strange. It's the weirdest thing. But um, Maddie was two at the time, right around two, and I was in another room, and I was working, and Tammy had the kids playing, and she turned around, did something, and came back around, and Maddie was gone. And so she's walking around our little apartment. And it wasn't a big apartment. She's walking around, Maddie, 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 asking for Maddie, looking for Maddie. A little bit later, she comes into the room where I was, and she was a little panicked. Trent, I can't find Maddie. You got to help me. Like, I, I'm afraid she got out of the house. And being the, the loving, logical, calm husband that I am, I said, just calm down, Tammy. It'll be all right we at least have her older sister. <laughs> and we can always make another one. <laughs> and of course, I'm alive today, and so that proves that I did not say that. So I came out of that room going, we've got to find Maddie. I joined Tammy in the search for our little girl. And we searched everywhere. We, we looked where we thought everything, we had overturned everything in our house looking for our little girl. Now, if you know anything about our Maddie, who is 15 now, she can be a, a quiet person at times. And we found her. She was in a little wagon that we had, you know, those little kid wagons that you, you pull the kids around the neighborhood and stuff. Well, she had found her way into that, and she had had her bottle, and she was hiding under two big stuffed animals. So there were stuffed animals that were bigger than she was, and they were laying on top of her, and all you could see was her little bottle sticking out and her eyes. And she was watching us walk back and forth and back and forth. And back. I mean, we walked past that thing probably 50 times, and we're yelling, Maddie, 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 where are you? So one of us stopped and looked, and there's this bottle sticking up out of this dog. I'm like, what in the world is that all about? Look in there, and there's Maddie. You can see just her little eyes. So we scooped her out of that thing. We were so happy. 
We didn't know what happened to Maddie. We didn't know if she'd gotten out. But our little girl who was lost is now found. And we squeezed her tight, really tight. And then after I calmed down, I'm like, I'm going to spank that kid. I mean, she shouldn't do that to us. My wife calmed me down and said, no, talk me out of that one. So I was so excited that we found our lost Maddie. When something of importance to us is lost, finding that thing becomes the number one priority in our lives. It's more important than anything else, finding that thing which is lost. Now you got to remember what we're reading here. Jesus is answering a question to the religious leaders. He's telling them why he spends so much time with tax collectors and notorious sinners. So Jesus picks this story back up in verse 5. It says, and when he has found it, so that's this guy who's lost this one sheep. When he's found this one lost sheep, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Now, we've looked at that word repentance not long ago in another message. And the idea of repentance is this turn thing. So here's a sin issue in our lives, and we turn from sin, and we turn to God. Turn away from that stuff. Like, I don't want that. I don't want to be involved in that. God, I want you more than I want that. And so Jesus is saying, listen, there is incredible joy in heaven when one person turns from sin, turns to God, and says, I want you. There's, there's more joy in heaven over one person doing that than over 99 others who've never strayed away. Now, that statement would have caused some problems for the religious leaders. They would have not liked to hear that. You see, they spent all their time focusing on the stuff that was found, the people who were like them, the people who were following the rules, the people who were living rightly. And they spent all their time on found people. And Jesus was challenging everything these religious leaders thought it meant to have a relationship with God. Jesus was indicating that God is more concerned about the lost than he is about the found. Now, before the religious leaders could interject a disagreement, and get very heated and angry, Jesus told him another story. So in verse 8, Jesus said, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? Now, now let me tell you about these ten coins. This is not like having you know, a pocket full of change or you know, like ten quarters or something. These were some special coins. See, in Jesus' day, when a father had a daughter who was of age to be married, he would give her 10 special silver coins. And what this young woman would do was she would fasten them in a headband. She would secure them in a headband that she would wear around her head. That would announce to the community that she was of age to be married. And any man that would marry this girl would get the 10 silver coins as well. So it's kind of like bait, 
And it's kind of a weird thing if you think about that. You know, a little bit strange, okay? So these 10 coins were very valuable to her. If she lost one, she would not say, oh, at least I still have nine. Now, I mean, think about it. She'd look a little strange walking around the community with like a hole where this one was. She would not want that. So she would search everywhere until she found that coin. That coin was so valuable to her. It meant her future. I mean, it literally meant her future. And so she would look everywhere until she found that one coin. Now, in verse 9, Jesus said, And when she finds it, so when she finds that lost coin, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. And again, everyone listening to Jesus' story would say, Yeah, that's exactly what this woman would do. We get it. And then Jesus said in verse 10, In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Now, who's in the presence of God's angels? It's God. God's in the presence of God's angels. So who is so excited when one sinner repents? It's God himself. The angels are excited with him, but God's the one throwing the party here. God is the one who's so excited when one person turns from their stuff and turns to God. Now, every time Jesus would tell stories like these, people were left to kind of figure out their meaning. It wasn't often that he would explain the meaning of these stories, which are called parables in the Bible. Sometimes he explained them to the disciples, uh, but often people were just kind of left to wrestle with like, what does this all mean? And the religious leaders would have heard several parables to this point, several stories like this from Jesus. So they're kind of probably figuring it out like, okay, so there's some symbolism going on here. All right, let's try to figure it out. So we must be the 99 sheep and the nine silver coins but because we aren't spiritually lost like we're found. The lost sheep and the lost coins must represent those notorious sinners and tax collectors because they are definitely lost. But wait a minute. Wait, wait just a moment. Is Jesus saying that God cares more for those tax collectors and notorious sinners than he cares about us? Is that what Jesus is saying in this story? I mean, we're the ones who are following the rules. Like, we're the ones that are doing the right stuff. We're the ones that are living the way God wants us to live. How in the world could he suggest that God cares more about those people than God cares about us. And sometimes we think similar thoughts. Sometimes we compare ourselves to other people. Sometimes we say, you know, maybe I'm not as good as so-and-so, but at least I'm you know, not as bad as so-and-so. I mean, at least, you know, I, I try to read my Bible or I try to do good things or I try to go to church as much as I can. That, that must count for, for something, shouldn't it? There's one more story that Jesus tells in Luke 15. It's known as the prodigal son story. And we actually don't have time to read it today. So I encourage you this afternoon to read the rest of Luke 15 on your own. But in that story, you're going to see later today that Jesus isn't saying that God doesn't care about the 99. He's not saying that. The reality is they're found. They are secure. God is not spending all of his time trying to find those people who are found. 
He's spending his time trying to find people who are lost. Jesus said in Luke 19.10, I have come to seek and save those who are lost. So if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, then you must care about the same stuff that God cares about. We must care about the same stuff that God cares about. We've got to dedicate our lives to help God find lost people or to help lost people be found by God. And there are thousands of them around us everywhere, everywhere, at work, at school, at home, your neighborhood, where you shop. Everywhere in our community, there are people who are lost. They're far from God. So will you go into your world Whatever the context for your world may be, will you go into your world and help lost people be found? Will you point them towards Jesus? Will you do everything within your power to help them be found by God who loves them dearly and is looking everywhere to find them? Will you make that your number one priority in life? In closing, let me ask, answer the question, like, how do we do this with, with Jesus? Like, how do we engage this mission of finding lost people? I think to start with, we look at Jesus again. Always, that's a good thing to do, is look at Jesus and see what he does. What, what did Jesus do? Like, he spent time with people who were very much not like him. So I think that's a great way to start. We spend time with people who, who are not like God. We spend time with people who are lost, and we get to know them. We get to know their stories. And we look for opportunities to have a spiritual conversation and point them towards Jesus. It's, it's when we care about people who are nothing like us because God has cared very much about people who are nothing like him. That includes us. Like we're nothing like him. And if you have been found, if you've been found by God, at one point you were lost. At one point, you were number one priority on God's radar. At one point, that's all he could, could do was to look and find you. One simple way that we can help people be found by God is to invite them to an Easter service. Uh, March 31st is Easter this year, and we've got two Easter services that are going to happen, our 9.15 and 11 o'clock service. People are more open to coming to church on Easter and Christmas than any other time of year. And I encourage you to invite people that you know that might be lost to come to one of those services. We've got some big plans this year, and we're going to focus all of our energy on helping lost people be found. But will, will you invite people? In between now and Easter, will you, you spend your time looking for people who might be lost and invite them to come to a service where they possibly could be found by God? Now, here's the reality. People don't need to be at church to be found by God. God can find anybody he wants anywhere he wants. They don't need to be here. So if you invite somebody to church and they go, no thanks, don't worry about that. Just continue to do anything you can to help them be found by God. I've been inviting my neighbors for 10 years to come to church. I hope this year they come. But if they don't, I'm still going to do everything I can to help them be found by God. It is critically important. Our God is looking. I drive through my neighborhood and I see my neighbors. And there are moments that it just breaks my heart 
that one day, some of my neighbors may hear God say, depart from me, for I never knew you. And they'll spend eternity away from the God who loves them. God's placed me in my neighborhood to be a light, to point them towards Jesus, to do everything I can. And so I, like anything I can do to do that, I do that. Like I hang out in my front yard and pick weeds so my neighbors will walk past and I can talk to them. I try to borrow everything I can from my neighbors just so I can have a conversation with them. I'll do anything I can to help a neighbor of mine come to know Jesus. I know for all of eternity, they will be grateful that they were found. And once, once someone's found, they need to get connected with a good church. It's really important to get connected in, in a place where you can grow spiritually, get to know other people, get in a small group, and get active in serving. It helps sharpen your faith, grow your faith. It, it helps you get a part of the mission of reaching people who are lost. So God cares so much about lost people that he sent Jesus. to Jesus, go, go find lost people. And Jesus left the splendor of heaven to come here looking for everyone who is lost. And then he turns to us and he says, if you're found, will you help me? Do you know how irritating it is when you lose something at home and there's somebody sitting there watching TV and they won't help you? I'm like, when it's one of my kids, mm, I want to pound them. But then sometimes it's me and they're looking for something. But it's irritating when you've lost something and someone's sitting around going, yeah, you know, big deal. You lost it. I didn't. You know how irritating I think it is to God when he is looking everywhere for lost people and we kind of sit looking at the paper going, what you doing, Jesus? Looking for lost people? Oh, cool. Hope you find them. <laughs> he wants us to get off our duffs. He wants us to get up out of that chair. He wants us to get active. He wants us to look everywhere for lost people. They matter. They matter to God. So will you spend your life looking for God's number one priority, and that's lost people? Let's pray together. God, I thank you for the challenge of this message. I thank you for just these, these stories that Jesus told that reveal the heart of our God, that our God cares so much about lost people. Lord, all of us, if at one point we didn't have a relationship with you, we were that person. We were lost. And we needed to repent of our sins. We needed to turn away from that stuff and, and turn to you. And Lord, every time that happens, there's a party that breaks out in heaven because you are so excited. Just like when we lose something of great importance to us, yet, yeah, Lord, with an infinite value to it, you celebrate in heaven when one person turns from their sin and turns to you. And then you ask us, will you join me? Will you get active in the greatest mission on planet Earth to find lost people? Will you do everything you can at work and at school and at home to help people who are lost be found by God? who loves them. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to see people the way that you see people. I pray that our hearts would be stirred deeply for people who don't know you, and we would do everything within our power to point them towards Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, good morning and welcome to Epic. You guys are the brave souls. You got out of your beds. Way to go. So give yourselves a pat on the back and everything for the hour change and stuff. But if you need some coffee, you can get some coffee this morning. That's no problem. Or if you see your you know, person next to you dozing off, you can elbow them or something like that. But anyways, welcome to Epic. We're so glad that you are here. Uh, I love that video. That video just paints a great picture of how many of you are involved to make what happens here at Epic happen. And uh, I love my daughter. Uh, she's three and a half. And when her younger brother gets sick, which he's been getting sick a lot lately, um, she's like, Daddy, I, I still want to go to church. That's how much she loves just coming back to the kids' areas and everything. And she wants to understand why does she have to stay home because she's not sick and she wants to come to church. So just a, a cool thing. And uh, many of you make that happen. So we appreciate you doing that so much. But um, if you are not involved at Epic, we would love for you to get involved. Uh, first thing is that you can get to know other people. So if you've been wondering how can you get to know other people, well, jump into serving. That's a great way to be able to get to know people and really begin to do life together. And then also God says, hey, I want you to serve. And it's amazing when you begin to serve how much you can, can connect with God even more. And so uh, there is a card on your seat uh, describing the different areas, prep, tech, connections, epic kids, uh, our student ministry, surge. Um, if you would, look over that. We really need a lot of help on the prep team in the morning and in the afternoon. So if you've got time to stick around, that would be a great spot to jump into. It's really easy. You just break down stuff and you set things up. But uh, there's a whole team that does that. And we we would really love to have your help. You can fill out on the back um, the information that they uh, ask for you and then turn it in at the Connection Center. Angie will be back there on the left side of the Connection Center and you can talk to her if you have any questions about serving or anything like that. Um, she will help you and guide you through the entire process as well. Well, last week we began our men's and women's groups with a bang. Uh, there were 37 women out at 4 o'clock from 4 to 5.30. It was an amazing sight. And then at night we had 27 men. So men, we need to step it up. Come on, let's uh, come on out. So uh, the women's group is going for eight weeks as a starter group, and the men's groups are going for 10 weeks, uh, going through some great curriculum. So if you didn't come out last week, it's not too late. You can come on out today. It's meeting at Palm Coast Community Church, uh, one of the churches that we partner with. If you need directions or any more information, again, go to our Connection Center, and they will help you out to get you to those groups uh, today. And then also, if you call Epic your home, um, God asks us to give of our time, our talents, and also of our resources. And so it's his way of saying, hey, do you trust me? And when we give a portion back, it's amazing what happens in that relationship with God. And so uh, there's two ways that you can give. You can give at the end of each section or also online at theepicchurch.com as well. Well, if you are new today, we're so glad that you're here. We're so glad that all of you made it today. Um, and we just want you to sit back and enjoy the rest of the service. Well, what a great opportunity we have here in uh, three weeks. Easter is only three weeks away. And um, so what we'd love for you to do is to invite your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, your family, uh, anyone that you know. As Trent was speaking today, maybe someone popped into your mind that you know that you need to invite. You need to take that opportunity in your relationship with them and to just ask them to come. So we wanted to help you out with that. And so we've placed uh, different cards in your seats. Um, and they are simply there to advertise for uh, our Easter service on 
March 31st, and there is the website and everything on the other side. If you need more cards, we have tons of them at the Connection Center. So if you would love to have, you know, tons of them, great. Um, just ask them at the Connection Center for those as well. If you need a goal in mind, man, make it a goal maybe to invite three people or something like that. Uh, but would you join with God in doing this? Would you pray for those that you know that need to come and come to know Him as well? And then also, that Easter Sunday, we are having uh, an Easter baptism. So if you have never been baptized, and you've put your faith in Christ, and you are a Christ follower, uh, God asks us to follow that up with being baptized, to saying to everyone, hey, I am a Christ follower. And so we do that on Easter Sunday. It's our first baptism of the year. We'll have more after that as well. But what a great awesome opportunity if you've never been baptized to be baptized on Easter itself. And so five o'clock at Flagler Beach and if you've been baptized and you're part of Epic, come on out and cheer these people on. It is great and especially since it's so cold out there that you'll love it seeing them freeze. No, but anyways, um, it's not that bad. So um, we'll be out there, Trenton and myself. So, uh, but uh, sign up online at under our involved tab if you would like to get baptized so that we can follow up with you and get you prepared. There's a couple pages to click through and read through on baptism and everything like that as well. And then also, um, if you are new today and you would love to know more information about Epic, uh, please stop by our Connection Center. Uh, they have some information that they would love to get to you. And if you have any questions that you would like to ask about Epic, they would love to help you out as that. So we're so glad that you're here today. Uh, please say hi to someone that you uh, don't know as you are uh, taking off. And thank you so much for being here, and we will see you next week.